Amen. All right. So, yes, like I said, my name is Mawande. I have my family here. I believe my wife is upstairs uh, with our son, Israel. So, um, I see my PowerPoint is not tracking with me. But that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. So, I have a picture up there with my family. Oh, yeah, it's here. Okay. Picture up there with my family. It's chaotic. Three boys under the age of four. But it's all good, right? Because my name is Mawanda. It means be fruitful and multiply. So, there you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, today we're going to be talking about abiding in Jesus. John chapter 15. Abiding in, in Him because He's the vine and we're the branches. And so, I'm looking forward to that. Right. So, we're going to be tracking some themes here in abiding. We're going to be talking about abiding, remaining in Him, and being filled with His love, and bearing fruit, and being friends with Him, and having the privilege of repeating that over and over and over and over and over and over again in eternity. But we practice here, right? So, that's going to be fun. Let's read God's Word out of John 15. Jesus says, I am the true grapevine. My father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that does not produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. So they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful Unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will ask for it, for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great joy to my Father. I have loved you, even as my Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments and remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and I remain in his love. I have told you this thing so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because masters do not confide in the slaves. Yes, you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father has told me. You, do, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit, lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for, using my name. This is my commandment. Love each other. Oh, man. Beautiful words. Now, the context, obviously, this is Palm Sunday, right? Just a few short days, Jesus was being welcomed into this beautiful city, and they were saying, Hosanna, welcome. And now he's spending time with his disciples, and they're just communing together. And he's giving them these words. Now, in the minds of the disciples, it should be evident that 
as he's talking about planting and fruition and a gardener, there should be some form of reference to creation in the beginning, in the garden. And as Jewish faithful boys, they would know that. They would have memorized it. And so here you see an image of the master gardener, which is God, and Jesus as the vine, and maybe the tree of life, and the people involved as well, because they're the branches, and the mandate to be fruitful and multiply. As well as Jesus, on the other side of the coin, he's pointing them toward the cross. Just as it was promised in Genesis 3.16, that out of the fall, God is going to redeem creation again, and he's going to bring the new creation through Jesus. So here he's pointing them to the cross, that God is love. He is ultimate love. And that the church is meant to be held on, forever held on in Christ. Not be lost as it was in the garden with Adam and Eve. See, the old Adam was faulty. He lost his place. But this new Adam, or the last Adam as it says, he will not lose his place. He will remain faithful. And he's asking the disciples to also remain faithful. He's not asking them to do something that he has not already done. So this is a picture that we are seeing here. And so we kind of want to break it down in kind of three steps. So point number one would be a very simple equation, non-scientific equation. Here Jesus says, vine plus love equals fruit. That's God's equation. He's the vine, and he is, he's the vine, Jesus, and the disciples or the church are the branches, and he wants them to abide. So vine plus abiding in him equals fruit. And so we're going to break this down a little bit, but before we break it down, one thing that is noteworthy here is that Jesus is worth abiding in because he is God's only plan to redeem creation back to God in a right relationship with God. And he's telling these disciples the ultimate plan. Everyone else does not know the plan. The disciples know the plan because they're in the inner circle of Jesus. But they're going to be entrusted to go and spread the plan around that Jesus is restoring all things back to God. So, verse 1 to verse 4, he says, Yes, I am the vine, and the Father is the gardener. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. You cannot produce fruit unless you remain in me. So just like Eve was created out of Adam's side, when God laid him down and put him to sleep, and Eve was created out of Adam's side, Jesus is also going to point the disciples to, yes, the old creation was created and the fall happened, I am going to be put down and out of my side and out of my agony and out of my sacrifice as I'm going to die. God is going to birth a new church. And it starts with you. You guys are the first fruit of that. So that's the kind of picture and the vision that he's planting in this disciple's heart. And so Jesus is preparing the way to the cross of Calvary, initiating a new covenant, new creation in the church, is coming out of Jesus' eyes to belong to him and be by his side forever. And then he also says that they've been made clean by the words he has spoken to them. And the disciples are expected and are fully equipped with God's word and freshly empowered with the spirit of God so that they can do New Testament and a new covenant ministry. 
not in the old way, but in the new way. And so Jesus' expectation is that when the vine and the branches are together, so he's the vine, the branches, the church, the disciples abide in him, they will be disciples that are faithfully obeying his commandment and pursuing fruitfulness in relationship with God and seeking him first so they can bring God's mandate and kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. It's that same vision when God said, let us create man in our own image. And let's give them authority and dominion over everything. And let them be fruitful and multiply. God's vision and his plan was that the people that are created in his image will fill the earth. Filling the earth with his glory. People that are created in the image of God and representing him in every, every area of life. And here Jesus says, that plan is here. And I'm going to the cross so that I may fully activate you to respond to God's call from the beginning. So, what is the timeless truth here? Timeless truth is that we are created to belong to God and Jesus is our only way back to God. And our response should be that we are hidden in Christ, seated above with him at the right hand of God and he is the groom and we're the bride. But maybe the disciples didn't see that yet. But you and I have the privilege of seeing all of scripture, right? From beginning to the end. Like we know, based on Revelation, we know that Victory is guaranteed. And thank you for those songs. Thank you for proclaiming those songs and reminding us of our ultimate end through Jesus. In eternity with God, when all victory has been won and all is accomplished, just as God had planned in the beginning. Oh, thank you, Lord. Point number two. Vine plus love equals fruit. First, we talked about abiding. The now it says it has to be based on love, and it's going to produce fruit. So, and the love of God need to compel these disciples. And they need to spread that message far and wide so that no one ever works for God or serves God out of just duty and whatever. It has to be based on love, and that duty has to be founded on love, not religious practices. I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters. Fill up your love tank for God so that everything you do, it is compelled by God's love. Otherwise, it is nothing. It is a clangy, empty noise before Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Okay. So verse 9 to verse 12, He's going to say, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love, and when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandment and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you, so that you may be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. This is my commandment, that you love one another, that you... Yeah, this is my commandment, that you love one another, that your joy may be full, that your joy may be full. Oh. 
This is my commandment, that you love one another, that your joy may be full. Yeah. The source of our joy is in the love of God. And God equips us with that love, blesses us, He instills it in us. He has invested it in us through Jesus. And we can love one another. And He can cause us to be joyful. What's the source of your love this morning? Or the source of your joy? Is it the bank account? Or is it because all of your friends are kind to you or nice to you? I want to propose that it should be something way, way better. And that is the love of Christ. So that the love of Christ will compel you to be a joyous addict of God's love ever drinking, ever being filled with his love, and ever joyfully displaying it everywhere you go. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, right? We know that. This is Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. He is a teacher of Israel. He should know these things. He must be born again. God so loved the world. And for the disciples, obviously, when he's saying these words, it should remind them of the beginning in creation. This is what God did with Adam and Eve coming together. Adam falling asleep and God creating Eve out of, out of him and, and then presenting her uh, to him. And he says, whoa, man, she's woman. She's part of me. She's going to be a mother of creation or human beings and it's like yes this is good and then there's a commentary there it says that therefore a man shall leave his mother and father and be united with his wife he will cling to his wife and the two shall become one flesh this is jesus's vision as he's talking to his disciples love me remain in my love just as the fathers loved me i want you to love one another (sighs) he left his father's home to be united with his bride. And he wants to cling to her. And he's encouraging, guys, you gotta love me. You gotta remain in my love. I'm setting an example for you. Love one another. Love one another. Let your love be genuine for one another. Not only that, but he has taught them what's the number one command to fulfill. Love. Love God with all your mind, your heart, your body and soul and spirit and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And he's demonstrating the way. He's the way, the truth and the life. Without him, they can do nothing. So, what's the timeless truth here? God is love. God is love. Now, the world seems to be having all kind of ideas about what love is and what love is not. My brothers and sisters, I want to remind you today, God is love. And anything else that falls short of that is not love at all. And we, brothers and sisters, the church, the body of Christ, are made and called to demonstrate God's love. So that the world can see what is true and what is not true. 
What is genuine, what is not genuine? What is born of God and what is made out of man's ideology? God is love. Point number three. Here's the non-scientific equation again. (laughs) Vine, or rather, vine plus friends equals fruit. Jesus is calling his disciples into a fruitful friendship. Fruitful friendship. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for a friend. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you slave because the master does not confide in his slaves. And you are my friends since I have told you everything the father has told me. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the father will, be, will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And this is my command. Love each other. Consider this then. Jesus gave everything to his friends. His knowledge of God and his life. And Jesus is our model for friendship because he loved us without limits. And he's making it possible for us to also follow that pattern. and Love people without limits. Starting in the church. Starting in the body of Christ. How many of us have genuine life-on-life relationships with people that are not part of Christ? And we fail and we are so, 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 so starved in our love relationships with the body of Christ. And God is calling us. It has to start here in the body of Christ. Because we are called to be linked together with him and with the Father. I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters. God loves us so much. And we are supposed to be the picture of love in the world. Jesus is calling his disciples to do that. It's going to cost them, but it's worth it. It's going to cost them, but it's worth it. Timeless truth here is that Jesus is the best model for godly friendship. We're called to be friends of God. And our response should be, what a friend we have in Jesus, all to him. What a privilege to carry everything to God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, what peace. Often for or come on. Oh, oh, thank you, Jesus. All because we do not care. Everything to God. So Jesus is the vine. And we're the branches. And he wants 
us to abide in him. He wants us to be faithful, lovers of him. And he wants us to be faithful friends. Just want to encourage us. We're drawing towards Easter next Sunday. Come on, please, fill up your love tank for Jesus. Fill up your love tank for Jesus. Come on, abide in him. Stir up your friendship with Jesus so that you will be fruitful. Brothers and sisters, this is our call forever. It starts here on earth. It's going to perpetuate for all eternity. There is no other call to be his and belong to him and to faithfully cling to him, to love him, to befriend him, and to produce fruit as we do that forever and forever. The final picture that you and I have with Jesus is not a selfie. That's You've seen that, right? You've seen that picture when Jesus is sitting with his disciples and they're all leaning in for the, for the selfie. <sighs> it's, a, it's a good picture. But the final picture is he is the bridegroom and we are the bride and we're married with him forever. And nothing can snatch us away from the love of God. That's the final picture. All of eternity. Belonging to him. And fulfilling everything that God had planned and purposed when he created humans in his image in the beginning in the garden. That's our position. And we are called to do nothing else that does not stem from that place. Otherwise, all of our actions and our works are like filthy rags. Okay, so... Five minutes. I got three action steps for us to take as we look forward to Easter and then beyond. Okay, and these steps are just merely just meant to stir up our pursuit of God and pursuing to be fruitful in His presence and abide in Him and love Him and be fruitful in our friendships. So, step number one we must actively seek continual growth. That's what abiding in Him means. That's what loving Him means and remaining in His love. That's what being friends with Him means. It means that we actively seek to bear fruit for His glory. And also, we'll be joyful as we do that. So, whatever you have, small groups. Uh, those brothers were here presenting and my sister was presenting. Becky? Jackie, Jackie. yeah, sorry. Now it's in recording. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Oh. Thank you for your forgiveness, Jackie. Huh. Yeah, all of those things, small groups, conferences, prayer and fasting, let's do those things, but those things are just a means to an end. And the end is that you and I will grow in intimacy with God and intimacy with his people. So those things must cultivate that. Number two, the, the result would be an inward and an outward life 
long relationship, walking and working and being fruitful. That's the result. Oh, man. It's also the cycle. If you've seen in Genesis and creation, the cycle is you got the Father who's God and who's creating everything, as well as seeing in this example of the vine and the Father is the gardener and Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. This cycle keeps on going. It's the same picture that Jesus is showing us. The gardener, the father, the son, the vine, the branches, the church, the fruit, which is new creation and the result of everything that God has put within the vine itself. Brings joy and glory to the father. Step number two I want to encourage us with is let us be transformed by the renewing of our mind, brothers and sisters. So as we dig into the scriptures and we do all of these activities and and God is really transforming us. That's great. But let's continue. Let's continue. Let our minds be blown away by how beautiful the word of God is and how much precious it is, especially in these dark days. That we as the church, we are the pillar of truth. There's so many truths out there. And we as the church, we are the pillar of truth to demonstrate God's intent and purpose for creating everyone in the world. Let's be transformed by the renewing of our mind. What would it look like in Steinbach, in our families, the Bible Belt? What would it look like? I came from the ends of the earth. If you've seen Cape Town on the map, it's like at the bottom, at the bottom, at the bottom, at the bottom, at the bottom. That's where I came from. Came to the Bible Belt of Canada. But what would it look like then if we're really people of the Bible? What would be the result of God's word implanted in our hearts, ever growing and ever increasing, ever bearing fruit? What would it look like? I beg you, brothers and sisters, let us be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we may show his goodwill. So imagine that then. If we did not quench the spirit, but out of us springs of living water flowed, just as Jesus promised. If we did not lack in spiritual gifts, but we were so richly supplied in everything for life and godliness, what would it look like in our lives and family? If we were not ignorant of spiritual gifts, but eagerly desired them, Eagerly desiring the demonstration of the Spirit's work, the life of Christ in the church. If we enjoy the grace of God, the love of the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, what would that look like? Even just for one week in my life, what would my life look like? If we were not lukewarm or cold, that we fanned into flame the gift of God that he's put in us. What would it look like? So encourage us. Let us be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The last step I want us to take. This is it, guys. We're landing it right here. Be reminded of God's plan. From creation to the cross to eternity. And this would be Paul's final exhortation. 
In the book of Ephesians, he says, I beg you to live a life that is worthy of the calling because you have been called by God. Please, let's live lives that are worthy of the calling that we have received. So then he says, always be humble, be gentle, be patient with one another, make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep being united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with the bond of peace. He says, for there is one Lord, for one body, one spirit, just as we've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father of all, who is over all and who is in all, and living through all. And then he goes on to talk about that we've been given apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers, and evangelists, and preachers, and all sorts, to equip us for the work of ministry. This will continue, he says, until we attain such unity of the faith and the knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more and more and more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its special work, as it helps the body to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I'd like to pray for us, please. Oh, Father, you're so good to us. Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for your word that has endured generations of generations has been preserved for us thank you for your spirit that ever zealously wants to bring us closer to christ ever zealously want to reveal christ remind us of everything that jesus has taught empower us to live lives that are worthy of our calling thank you heavenly father thank you son and thank you holy spirit thank you for your love for one another and your unity and thank you for inviting us in that space Lord, I pray, my Father, as some of us here are thinking, man, Jesus is divine. I don't know if I'm a branch. I don't know if I belong to him. Lord, I pray, I pray, my Father, that you will invite those people to be grafted in because you're a good gardener. You know how to graft people in. Wild branches, people who do not belong, you know how to graft them in. Lord, I pray for as many people here that do not know you. Today, when they hear the word of the Lord, they will not harden their hearts, but they will come to you. And that you will birth a new life, a new creation. God, I pray for some of us who are heavy laden and struggling in our faith and our walk with you. God, I pray that you will prove and that you will support the branches, that you will do such a work of supporting and equipping and renewing those struggling branches those that are struggling with stunted growth, those that are uh, struggling with bad fruit in their lives. Help us. Some of us who are actively involved in ministry that want to so ever grow and so ever richly uh, experience you, Lord, I pray that you will help us. In the name of your son, Jesus.